The 2-2 pitch. There's a drive deep right. Cubs win! Cubs win! On a grand slam by Hayward! And this ball down. This is going to be a tough play. Bryant, the Cubs win the World Series! Bryant makes the play! It's over! And the Cubs have finally won it all! TGIF, and welcome to Fanatics Friday on the Mistaken Identity Podcast. Brought to you by... Fanatics, the world's largest collection of officially licensed fan gear from all the leagues, teams, and players you love. Head on over to the show notes to gain access to the worldwide leader in licensed sports merchandise from all of your favorite teams, and be on the lookout for your chance to win some free items. Now, here are your hosts, Frank and David. Hello and welcome to a, another episode of the Mistaken Identity Podcast with David and Frank. Uh, it's actually turning into the podcast with David or Frank because uh, David uh, had another uh, job to his list. So usually on the podcast, get one or the other. Uh, but sitting in for him today, one of my favorite people in the world who has a lot of great news. He never tells me. and I'm always yelling at him because he doesn't tell me. And that is Thomas Butler Guerrero. What's up, Thomas? What's good with you, Frank? I uh, got you. I promise you. I'll let I'll let all the details out tonight. Yeah, because you know, at Wrigley Field, who was your biggest supporter? It was me. you. Yeah. It was me. <laughs> and I hear all the good things about you through Facebook. And somebody asked me, "Oh, Thomas?" I'm like, I have no idea. He didn't even tell me. Let me go from the beginning right now. Why don't you tell everybody? Because you have some amazing news. You, you just go ahead. Tell us what. You're... I got you. So tomorrow I'll be attending the Chicago White Sox versus Milwaukee Brewers game. You know, the Milwaukee Bucks just won the NBA title. So that might be a pretty decent scene for this weekend. But I just got a job with PicksWise. It's a sports betting website. I've been killing baseball this season. Absolutely. Like probably around 70 percent against the spread and a 70 percent to the over under and almost identical, like just different types of wages that I bet. So I just sent in, you know, resume cover letter and just three separate games of articles that I try to write. I publish daily articles myself on my own WordPress site. Um, and I have my own subscribers that uh, get betting information from me. But, yeah, I went all out for it and applied for a, a sports writer position. So now starting tomorrow, I'm going to be an MLB writer for PixWise. Yes, and uh, uh, who are listening, they know I have, I have a separate YouTube um, show where I teach people how to invest from the beginning. And you're going to come on there and talk more about uh, picking and betting. But uh, in the in the meantime, uh, where can people find your website? And, of course, talk about your podcast. So my podcast is the On Air Mobcast. It is a sports-based podcast that covers media interviews, 
sports betting concept and sports me battles sports me is a mobile application that you can get for your phone it's basically snapchat or like an around the horn based uh, app where it's po- it's a point based system and you just give your own sports takes just like you would record and send a snapchat and people could comment you know follow you battle you and then there's a winner at the end uh, for my podcast season one will be completed at the end of the month and season two will begin during the Colts training camp at the end of this month as well. Uh, it, the on-air mobcast is available on most podcast plat- podcast platforms, and that includes Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. Now, our listeners should be familiar with you already because we played on-air episodes, and that is because um, you are joining me and some other podcasts. We're going to be creating our own podcast network. It's going to be debuting in the fall. Uh, and so you're one of the podcasts that are going to be uh, joining us. So uh, if your listeners will be hearing some of our episodes and our listeners will be hearing some of your episodes because we're going to be uh, sharing resources amongst all the podcasts that are in the network. Um, and I'm excited about it. I know you are too. Yeah, season one went really well for me during the COVID, the pandemic. I was able to get some really good media interviews, some uh, NFL players, former MLB players because of you. Uh, I was able to join the Black History Month series when the Cubs were meeting all on Zoom, all the Cubs staff members. And that's one of my highest rated uh, shows. So I definitely got to thank you for that. You're the one that really put me on to starting a weekly podcast. And now that season one's done, I'm looking forward to starting season two on an enterprise uh, podcasting network that is just, it's much bigger than myself. Speaking of former players, that player was Ray Burris, by the way, and um, uh, our podcast is joining the Club 400 podcast. We're sponsoring a trip from uh, Chicago to the Cardinal game in September, and he's mm. actually going to bus with us. He's coming with us, actually. So people that go with us will be on the bus with the former Cub, uh, and it includes tickets to the game, it includes hotel. Uh, so I'm putting, oh. I'm putting this plug out there. But uh, for those of you that are listening to us all the time, you know we have some events coming up. But yes, we're going to be on uh, going to the Cardinal game and sitting in the stands with Ray Burris. Yeah, that would be incredible to meet him after that inc- that uh, immaculate, that amazing conversation that we had on Zoom. It would be wild to actually get into deeper detail in person. Yes. Now, today on the show, uh, and this is, this is you know probably a, a good uh, segue or a good day for you to be here because uh, we're going to be actually talking to uh, two other podcast uh host uh under the chicago clubhouse um umbrella and we're going to be talking something that we never talk about which is the white Sox. that's one thing here but uh, but everybody knows i'm a huge tim anderson fan uh i'm probably going to get tim anderson on the podcast at some point but um i need ends on that he's my he's my (laughs) second favorite player remember discussing uh some bears and some bulls and some other hot topics so uh i'm looking forward to that are you ready for that uh thomas Oh, yes. Definitely looking forward to talking all Chicago news. And it's, even if it comes to the White Sox, uh, all ends on that. All right. So without without further ado, it is a good privilege of mine to um, bring on a host of another podcast that uh, I actually was following. And uh, he didn't even know I was following it until I talked to him on Facebook. But that is um, uh, Terrence Nichols from Chicago Clubhouse. Terrence, how's it going? What's happening, Frank? Uh, and I fact, say hi to Thomas up here in the, in the top, Thomas. Oh, my man, Thomas. What's going on, man? How you doing? 
What's good with you, Terrence? I'm check doing straight. Podcast, by the way, man. I'm gonna check oh, out good looks. Podcast. Good looks. Uh, and so, speaking of uh, podcasts, let's uh, introduce our audience first to your podcast, the uh, Chicago Clubhouse. Tell us about um, how it started, what it is, and where they can find it. Okay. Well, the name is Chicago Clubhouse Podcast, and um, it started in. In 2020, you know, uh, everybody was bored. It was COVID. My girlfriend at the time was getting on my nerves. I was getting on hers. So we we had to find something to do. So I hooked up with a couple friends, and um, we decided to start a podcast. And, you know, both of us knew the Bears. We knew the Sox and the Cubs, of course. So we said, yeah, let's go ahead and start a sports podcast. So we started it, but then we didn't have any, any viewers. No one, was, no one was watching us. Mm. So I decided, man, we need to go out and get some, get some heavy hitters. And um, I played in the flag football league a few years ago. And one of the, one of the teams had, Rashid Davis on their team. Rashid Davis is a former wide receiver for the Bears. So, and I knew somebody that was on that team. Thank God I never played. I never had to play that team because it was Rashid Davis, Jason McKee, Garrett Wolf, Juice Williams. I didn't want to see any parts of that. But anyway, that's another story. So I knew someone that knew Rashid. So she hooked me up with him. And I, I talked to him. And he said, yeah, he would come on. And from that point, after he came on, it was like a domino effect. So I've had guests like Tommy Harris, Tim Jennings. Um, I even had Ron Kittle. Ron Kittle has no connection to Rashid Davis, but he was on there anyway. And that was when Emilio and Kristen were, they were a part of that. But now they branched off and have their own baseball show, Strictly Baseball. And he's not here to talk about it, but I'll mention it for him. It's a Chicago Chicago baseball podcast. So they talk about the Cubs and they talk about the White Sox. Uh, it's, it's like the battle of, of, of two sides of the city, north side and the south side. But it's a really good show. It's funny as hell. Um, and hopefully everybody that's watching, when you get a chance, you check both of them out, Chicago Clubhouse Podcast. And also plumped. Yeah, uh, and you know, our listeners should definitely check it out. You may even hear me on there one day, so you should check it out for sure. Um, definitely gonna have you on there. <laughs> yeah, so make sure you all make sure you all check that out. Um, so tell me about um, your love for Chicago. Uh, I know your podcast is more than just sports, but about Chicago in general. And there's a lot of pushback now in the world about Chicago and. A lot of the bad things about it. Uh, I love it. I'm not planning on leaving at all anytime soon. Uh, so you tell me about your love of Chicago. Well, uh, my love of Chicago, of course, started when I was when I was young. But let's fast forward until just recently. Um, when COVID hit, we had to, like I said before, we had to find things to do. So I had to get creative. You know, whether it be Look at the 
you know, get online and look at the museum exhibits that they were offering, you know, uh, go outside, take a walk in the park with the mask on, take a walk in the park, go to different places in the city. It's almost like my love renewed itself. And then Chicago gets a, a really bad rep, really bad, man, because it, it, it's so much violence in the city. So a lot of times people that live outside of Chicago, they're like, man, Chicago's a terrible place. You get shot over there, you got to wear a bulletproof vest. Nah, man, Chicago's a dope city. So my podcast tries to tries to show that. It, it's so much more than getting shot and wearing a bulletproof vest. So we talk about comedy, which everybody loves. It makes everybody smile, of course. We talk about music. We talk about uh, movies filmed in Chicago. We talk about TV shows that are in Chicago, like Chicago Fire or Chicago Med, Chicago PD. We just talk about so many things, but that's because I love my city. And they, my other, my other hosts, I can't, I can't forget them, JB and JI. They love their city too, and they still play in that flag football league, by the way. But they love their city too. So we just all came together, and we decided that we want to talk about more than just sports, and we want to, we we kind of want to show this city in a positive light. And our guests feel that. But also another good thing about our show is on our show, you can, we, we want to create a platform where, you know, these, these retired football players, they've dealt with the media. They've dealt with, with telling untruths. They've dealt with uh, uh, candy coating different things. Well, we want to create a platform where they just come on and they just talk. And they say whatever it is that they want to say. For example, we just had Bernard Berrien on the show. Mm. And he said, he said to us, a fan asked him, how did you feel like, how did you feel about playing with Brett Favre? And he said, man, I did not like playing with him. Can't say that kind of stuff to the media. <laughs> yeah. But like I said, we create a platform where we just talk. You can say anything you want to. When we had Chris Zorich on, he said Dave Wanstead was the worst coach ever. Mm. <laughs> you know? So we, when we had Ron Kittle on, he was talking about how Carlos Redon is always hurt. He got to stop being hurt if he, wanna, if he wants to do anything. If he wants to be an all-star, he got to stop being hurt all the time. Well, I guess he hurt him. I guess he heard him because he's an all-star. So, but yeah, that's that's the kind of platform we try to create, man. Now, one of the comments you made just stuck out to me. You said that people on the outside have this negative view of uh, Chicago. Uh, and whenever I'm with people from the outside, uh, they're always, they regurgitate back to me what they saw on the news. Um, so people... 35 got shot over the weekend. 30, they, they just, and I can tell because I see on the news myself that they just regurgitate back. So then I'll push back and say, hey, what do you think about the amazing graduation rate that Chicago had during the pandemic? And they're like, 
what are you talking about? Like, right. okay, so their, their view of Chicago is just a regurgitation of what they see on the first thing that comes on the news. Right, what um, the media creates. Yes, but I can tell them, I, I don't feel threatened at all. I, I love the, uh, uh, the, I know what their graduation rate is during COVID, how much the Southside graduation rate did, how well it was. Um, and people don't want to hear that because of, because of, of an agenda, of course, but um, that stain of, you know, shootings and dangerousness is honestly 0.0002% of what goes on in Chicago, but on the news and in the suburbs, it's 99% of the story. So you made a good point about that. Everybody loves drama. Yeah. They love drama. So that's what the media is gonna create. So they're only gonna talk about Oh, these people were shot. They're not going to talk about the good things that happened. Yeah. They're not going to do that. That that doesn't. That's not going to sell newspapers. That's that's not going to get people to watch the news. Yeah. You know, if, if you talk about all the positive things, so you got to talk about the, the media wants to talk about the negative stuff, so they can sell those papers, get those viewers. Which I definitely resent that from the media. I don't like it when in interviews they just try to get them to answer uh clickbait material or get them to answer something that would be controversial and i get it if you turn on the news probably the leading story is you know a negative side of what happened during the night and the positive uh side of it doesn't come out but during my interviews i definitely like to be able to drive all the positive content that i can and be able to uh actually ask the questions that you know what are people doing in their communities rather than you know uh get a controversial statement out of somebody. Man, what a last 24 hours that was. Welcome back to a loaded headlines and hot takes brought to you by lids.com. Two entire sports have had their futures dramatically altered within the past day or so, and I'm here for all of it. Like I said last week, the NBA draft before the MLB trade deadline is like Christmas in July, and it did not disappoint so far. I have to start this off by saying I'm recording this very late on Thursday night, technically Friday morning, to get as much of this hot fire into this episode as possible. But keep in mind that there could be other deals going down in both the NBA and the MLB that could happen between the time I finish up here and when the podcast airs. So I do apologize for that. But not to worry, I was able to catch quite a bit on both fronts. Let's start with baseball because, you know, I like baseball. Wednesday saw a trio of moves prior to the deadline that stand to move the needle in three different division races. Starling Marte heads to Oakland to beef up the outfield for the A's, while 23-year-old Jesus Luzardo is on his way to join me here in Miami. Luzardo has been pegged as a can't-miss type arm for years now, but he's been hit with consecutive injuries and some recent struggles, and now he joins a Miami pitching core that's already overloaded with young talent, so he's going to have a lot less pressure on him in that scenario than he would have in Oakland. I think one of the worst case scenarios here is that he ends up being Miami's closer for a good long time. And when that's your worst case scenario, I think you made a pretty good trade. The Brewers added some punch to complement their elite pitching staff, snagging all-star Eduardo Escobar from the Diamondbacks. With Christian Yelich out due to COVID protocols, the Brewers needed to add some form of thump for the stretch run, and you can get very creative with how they deploy their new utility man, who already has 22 home runs on the year. 
The big move on Wednesday came after the sunset with all-star outfielder Joey Gallo heading to the Bronx to give some left-handed life to the Yankees' righty-heavy lineup. Although the Rangers didn't get one of the Yankees' very top prospects in return, many people in the industry were impressed by the amount of quality depth that Texas received in this hall. Gallo should have a field day in that bandbox of a ballpark known as Yankee Stadium. And then Thursday saw what happened Wednesday and was like, hold my beer. Max Scherzer, man, he held the entire day hostage and created a bidding war between two West Coast rivals and the Dodgers and the Padres. Early reports were that the Padres were close to landing the future Hall of Famer from the Washington Nationals, contingent on him waiving his no-trade rights. He would have slotted right into the top of that Padres revamped rotation, fresh off his fourth career All-Star Game start and pitching to a sub-3 ERA this season. And then, as the day progressed, the Dodgers just couldn't deal with the best talent on the market going to a rival. So they upped the ante, and not only had Scherzer in the mix, they convinced Washington to add an all-star shortstop Trey Turner to the negotiations, which was wild. This was mind-blowing, as I didn't see Washington moving on from Turner in any form of parallel universe available. The Dodgers did have to pay a steep price to add a pair of stars to their roster, and this is probably the highest-graded prospects we'll see moved at the deadline. Two top 100 prospects in all of baseball, Josiah Gray and Kybert Ruiz, are headed back to the nation's capital, as well as lower-level prospects Donovan Casey and Gerardo Carrillo. The Dodgers also stand to take on about $20 million in salary in this move, but it not only gives them monstrous impact in the present, they'll have a real chance at retaining both players. Scherzer was only willing to waive his no-trade rights to a limited number of teams, and it was with the implication that he'd be able to work out some sort of extension wherever he landed. Turner has a year of arbitration left after this season, and he can either slide over to second base or take over for Corey Seager if he decides to leave the free agency. The Dodgers were already loaded with talent, and this makes them substantially better, especially in combination with their move earlier in the day to acquire Danny Duffy from the Royals to stabilize the back end of their rotation. They still have to chase down the San Francisco Giants, but these moves, in combination with the lack of movement from the Giants so far, makes that all the more likely for the defending world champs. I gotta say, this whole development really took my breath away. AJ Preller, who's the Padres GM, has been as aggressive as they come in terms of putting the Padres in a position to win, and all early indications were that a deal was nearly complete in the afternoon to send Max to San Diego. But beyond the talent the Dodgers get here, the massive shift in energy by blocking a prime rival from getting the best talent on the market, and then effectively doubling the return on the same night, is something that you can't really measure, but could really put a damper on the rest of the season for the Padres if they don't make a move in response, which they did in a way a little bit later in the night by linking up with the Nationals on a deal to land reliever Daniel Hudson, but I wouldn't be surprised in the least if they were also in on Jose Barrios of the Twins after losing out on Scherzer. One other player of note leaving Washington so far, Kyle Schwarber, will be coming off the injured list shortly and will be rocking a Boston Red Sox jersey when he does so. Best of luck to Kyle yet again. Happy he's back in the thick of a pennant race with this monster season that he's having. Moving local, both the Cubs and the White Sox pulled off multiple deals that I'd give pretty good grades to. And yes, the first domino of the core did fall on the north side as Anthony Rizzo, yes, Anthony Rizzo, got shipped out to the New York Yankees to join Joey Gallo. Even though it hurts to see, moving Rizzo doesn't really surprise me, but the destination definitely does. Anything I heard related to Rizzo involved a reunion with Boston, the team that originally drafted him, but a move to the Bronx came out of nowhere, and honestly, for me, it doesn't really sit right. The Yankees still need a lot of pitching help and have a pair of teams to try to track down in their own division race, so I'm not sure if the Yankees plan to simply try to out-homer everybody down the stretch, but also, I mean, come on, the Yankees? 
the team everyone hates getting a guy with Rizzo's character, most of that fan base simply doesn't deserve the likes of Anthony Rizzo. So yes, I will let my pettiness cloud my judgment here yet again, but after all, I do wish him the best of luck the rest of the way. Either way, the Cubs picked up the remaining 2021 cap hit for Rizzo to sweeten the return from the Yankees, netting their number seven and number 12 prospects in return, according to Fangraphs. Kevin Alcantara is a six foot six teenage outfielder signed out of the Dominican Republic and was last playing in the instructional league in the Yankee system. According to various reports, he has a quote, limitless ceiling, which is always pretty nice to hear, but the issue with prospects as young as Alcantara, that also means they have a limitless floor. We'll have to wait and see how he develops in the years to come. Alexander Vizcaino also hails from the Dominican and was last playing high A ball. His fastball and changeup have both taken big jumps in the past few seasons, but doubts on both his breaking stuff and his delivery make it unclear whether he projects as a starter or a reliever. This return seems in line with the other Cubs to leave the north side so far, low top 10 to high teens prospects coming back from each respective system. This return leans a little more towards lottery tickets than sure things, which I'm sure won't make many people happy, but I think it's about as good of a return as you can get for Rizzo at this stage, and remember, he's still a candidate to pull the old reverse Aroldis Chapman and return to the Cubs in the offseason. The Cubs and White Sox also swung a deadline deal for the second time in recent memory. Ryan Tapera will be continuing the best year of his career in the thick of a pennant race on the south side, while the Cubs brought back minor league lefty Bailey Horn to bolster the farm system a bit. The 23-year-old was a fifth-round pick out of Auburn just last year for the Sox, and he has two strong breaking balls at his disposal already. But command seems to be a big issue for the lefty who has struggled pretty mightily in high A ball this season. But if the Cubs need anything, it's pitching, so this fits that bill, especially so shortly removed from a Blue Blood college program. This could be a guy we see making appearances in the pen within the next year or two if things break the right way. This move came on the heels of another value add for the Pale Hose after they landed infielder Cesar Hernandez from Cleveland to take over the primary second base role down the stretch. It's not one of the big names that have been tossed around in rumors, but Hernandez brings an above average glove and good power to a position that has produced very little for the Sox since Nick Madrigal's season ended early with a hamstring injury. Hernandez has also been running into a lot of bad lucks in terms of translating balls he puts into play into hits, so the Sox could reasonably expect him to perform even better down the stretch for them than he has already in the first half. We'll see if the Sox have any moves in store for later today, but for my money, this is currently the club with the least holes in their roster once everyone gets healthy. They addressed both of their primary needs in a second baseman and a strong reliever, and they did it on the cheap. They also sport the biggest division lead in all of baseball and should get Luis Robert and Yasmani Grandal back within a month or so. The Sox have been ticketed as contenders all year long and have exceeded even those expectations so far. With how they've maneuvered at the deadline, they should be staring straight at a deep playoff run. All right, let's pivot to the NBA, where the draft night proved to be a launching pad not only for pro careers, but for a blockbuster trade. Things got off to a bang before the draft even started, and Washington fans earmuffs here. If the Scherzer and Turner trade news wasn't bad enough, Thursday also saw Russell Westbrook take his talents back to where he grew up in Southern California to join LeBron's Lake Show. Heading the other way is a package of Kyle Kuzma, Contavious Caldwell-Pope, Montrez Harrell, and the number 22 pick in last night's draft. Early talks suggest Kuzma and Harrell could be packaged to the Brooklyn Nets to land Spencer Dinwiddie, who would take up Westbrook's place next to Bradley Beal in Washington's backcourt, but as of right now, that's just speculation. This trade also supplanted another trade the Lakers were working on that would have brought Buddy Heald to Hollywood from Sacramento. 
I'm guessing David will probably love this trade, and honestly, I do too. It gives LeBron and Anthony Davis a legit third option and a multi-dimensional threat from beyond the free throw line. You also can't afford to slack off one bit if you're on the floor with Westbrook. I think this move maximizes the end of LeBron's career by pulling every last ounce of talent out of everybody in their orbit. When the main show of the night started, the Detroit Pistons snagged Cade Cunningham with the first overall pick, which wasn't much of a surprise. He was the consensus number one prospect, and the six foot eight guard has one of the most well-rounded packages out of a number one draft pick in recent history. Pairing Cunningham with Killian Hayes and Jeremy Grant can have the Pistons heading in the right direction in a hurry. Jalen Green went number two to the Rockets, becoming the first player to jump from the G League Ignite team to the pros after foregoing college entirely. Green has athleticism and scoring ability for days, already drawing comps to Zach Levine and Bradley Beal. Houston's deep in the middle of a rebuild, but this is one hell of a piece to start with for that. Rounding out the top three, the Cleveland Cavaliers went with center Evan Mobley out of USC to pair with guards Darius Garland and Colin Sexton. The Pac-12 Player of the Year as a freshman, Mobley is already a versatile defender with great balance and ability to protect the rim. He's also lanky, so he'll be able to fill out his frame a bit, and he showed flashes of a developing offensive game at times in college. So far, three picks and three hits in my book. And then the first surprise of the draft of sorts, Scotty Barnes went to Toronto with the fourth pick. Barnes was a top six, top seven pick in most mock drafts, but this was seen as the first reach, if you will. He has guard skills with the height of a wing, and he's also a good defender with a very high motor, but Barnes isn't much of a shooter, with a lot of people projecting him being a point-forward type. It'll be an awkward pairing with Pascal Siakam, provided Siakam even stays around in Toronto for much longer. But then came Orlando with the number five pick, and they lucked out with Gonzaga's Jalen Suggs falling to them. Full disclaimer, Suggs is my favorite player to watch throughout March Madness and shows a very polished combo of athleticism, shooting, and court vision at a young age. Should the Magic get Markel Fultz and Jonathan Isaac back healthy and pair them with Suggs and former Bull Wendell Carter Jr., they have a really nice core to build with. Josh Giddy from Australia going number six with another surprise of sorts, and Jalen Green's G League Ignite teammate Jonathan Kaminga went seventh to Golden State. Michigan's Franz Wagner went eighth to the Magic as well, and that was actually the pick that the Bulls sent their way as part of the Nikola Vucevic trade. I'm not really all that upset I'm missing out on Wagner, but Davion Mitchell from Baylor was still on the board at that point and would have fit very well with the Bulls. I see shades of Derrick Rose in his game, and that would have been amazing to watch, but I digress. Later in the lottery, an extremely touching moment as Commissioner Adam Silver posthumously announced Terrence Clark's name as a draft pick into the NBA in front of his family members who were in attendance. Clark was a projected first-round pick out of Kentucky who tragically passed away in a car accident in April at the young age of 19. But for Adam Silver to allow his family to experience just a version of the moment that their loved one spent his entire life dreaming about was a perfectly done show of respect, just a class move by the league, and I wanted to make sure that that moment hit as many ears as possible. Trade talks took over the narrative for much of the night after that, but it was mostly pick swaps both within the current draft and from this current draft to the future. So far, it doesn't look like anything other than the Westbrook move is close to happening. We'll have to wait and see what the future holds for the likes of Damian Lillard, Bradley Beal, and Ben Simmons. But for now, they're all staying put. Whew, you guys catch all that? Because there will be a quiz. (laughs) Stay tuned for much, much more movement in the MLB throughout the day right up until the clock strikes 3 p.m. This promises to be a very busy one. That'll do it for this edition of Headlines and Hot Takes, brought to you by Lids.com, the number one destination for hats, gear, and everything that moves you. we got a new hat to give away today. The dog days of summer don't just signal the home stretch for the MLB. It also means football season is right around the corner. And if you're anything like me, 
As a diehard Chicago Bears fan, you love to go all out on game days. And now you can share that enthusiasm wherever you go by putting on this basic 950 adjustable snapback hat from New Era. It features vivid Chicago Bears graphics embroidered on the crown, so everyone will know you root for a certain team from a certain Midwestern town that starts with the letter C, ends with the letter O, and has a hikag in the middle. <laughs> all right, take care, and I'll catch you next time. Now, now I'm going to uh, I'm going to uh, ask this one question, and I'm going to sit back and watch you all debate this Kevin Durant situation. But um, the one positive thing that I know that's going on right now in Chicago, uh, baseball wise, is not on my team, not on the Cubs. But the positive thing going on right now is the White Sox um, just killing it. Uh, the uh, uh, my favorite Tim Anderson, uh, amazing. I love his his outspokenness. I love his social media. He does not hold back unapologetic uh, just amazing uh don't forget the bat flip oh yes that. yes uh bat flip that we're stealing on our side too a little bit but uh i don't understand why uh you know more fans aren't going to those games but i gotta give it to the white Sox. got, got it's this is their year yes it is yes it is definitely and this is an mvp year for tim anderson tim anderson has always been very consistent for me I've always thought he was one of my top three favorite players other than Vladimir Guerrero and uh, Javi. Probably the only player on the, on the South side that I actually consider myself a fan of is Tim Anderson, not just because he started with a T, but I'll tell you that <laughs> I first started to become fans of all these guys that started with T because I used to kill the show and the video games all the time. So I just started making these own rosters with every player in the league whose first name started with the same as mine. I'll say Tim Anderson, leadoff hitter. It, it, try it. Tell you, uh, I'm telling you, try it on 2K. Uh, try it on the show. It makes it completely different. Terrence, you can get Trey Young as your starting point guard. Because <laughs> uh, my name starts with a T, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm telling you, I do that with all the games now because I try to make it as uh, hard as possible for me to win a championship. Trying to put together a, team, a full team of all-stars with T's. Baseball's easy. There's so many like stars with the first name that start with T that like are all around the diamond. And I, the only player on my roster who doesn't start with T is Anthony Rizzo, and I count him as Tony. So that that's fine for me. Speaking of a team that is is not a super team, like you were saying, mm -hmm. you try to make it hard to win the championship. Did you know what? Did you hear what Gianna said? that he didn't want a super team. Yeah, he said he didn't have to go to Los Angeles. He didn't have to, you know, he could have he joined Los Angeles, Brooklyn, Golden State. There was talk about him joining Golden State. Yeah. But he got it done the hard way. Well, yeah, I hear you. He did a Michael Jordan. You don't he need stayed no, with the team. Yeah, he don't need no super team. He stuck it out with that team. I will say that this, though. If you ask a 100 NBA fans who the best acquisition of the offseason ones, 90% of them will say it was Chris Paul, but that's not always the case. Drew Holiday was actually one of the biggest, probably the biggest acquisition of the entire offseason because he was averaging exactly what Chris Paul was averaging and defending him, locking him down in the clutch games in the finals. You know, people just wanted to see Chris Paul win. Yeah. 
they just wanted to see him win, but he's he's really not. And I even said this a long time ago and caught a lot of flack. He's not that great. He's okay. He's cool. I mean, he's aging. He's aging. He's the perfect floor general that you want. I, I will say that when you put a bigger, longer Drew Holiday defending him during the finals, it was good when they were able to run those screens in Phoenix and start out very fast like they usually do in the playoffs. If you notice throughout the playoffs, they started out really hot. They won game one all four, all four rounds, and it was, pro- it was because it was in Phoenix. When it switched over to Milwaukee and he had to see they, – they switched up that entire lineup where they really weren't even playing guards, even without Drew Holiday. They didn't have a guard in there. They just had you know, a towering six-foot-eight-plus lineup that you know Chris Paul was kind of a liability, but like he, he just wasn't the same Chris Paul. You could tell. Right. Right. So I just want to remind our listeners here that uh, these two, um, this is entertaining, and they have their own podcast. Make sure you all check out uh, because I'm, I'm enjoying just listening to this. But uh, I do want you all, you all agree on a lot, but I know there's one thing you don't agree on that I would love to hear you all debate because it's like watching Stephen A. Smith and ESPN. Yeah. But uh, so tell us about your, your beliefs about Kevin Durant, Thomas. And let me see what uh, Terrence feels about that. He's the best offensive player in the league, he's the best all-around player in the league. The reason why I say that is because he has the least amount of flaws in his offensive game, and he really does guard the one through five better than almost anybody in the NBA. He's a perimeter defender that gets blocks. All right. Uh... <sighs> you know There's what? Never been a seven, there has never been a seven-foot player like Kevin Durant to do the stuff that he does. He, he does a lot of great things, but you know what? Giannis got a ring. KD has two. Giannis got a ring, and he's 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 gonna get more. Yeah, no, KD got two, but you know what? KD went to a super team. I get that. No, I 100 get the idea that Kevin Durant went to a super team. But if KD had went to the Warriors and not won Finals MVP, I would understand that. If he would have, you know, rode their coattails and averaged like, you know, what James Harden was doing this year and averaged like 20 points per game, I would completely understand that. That's riding somebody else's coattails to a victory. It was riding Golden Saints coattails. I promise you he wasn't. I promise you he wasn't. He faced off against against one of the greatest players of all time uh, in LeBron James. And Cleveland was a solid and Clay Thompson and Steph Curry, come on, man! Is Clay Thompson a superstar? Dudes, he wasn't the one. Is Clay Thompson a superstar? <laughs> no, no. All right, so I mean, so is is that was Steph matter? Curry without Kevin Durant? Was Steph Curry able to lead the Warriors past a healthy Cavs team? Because they beat him in 2015 when he Kevin did. Love and Kyrie, but but he Kevin did. Love and Kyrie got hurt. Kevin Love and Kyrie got hurt. Everybody back in 2017 when KD first joined said that LeBron was better than KD, Kyrie was better than Steph, and Kevin Love was better than Draymond. We saw KD send LeBron out of the finals in Cleveland, game three, put, dropped 43 on him and hit the game winner and probably bought his ticket to Los Angeles after the game. <laughs> you know what? Why don't you go ahead and send, send KD a, a, a love letter or something? Uh, He's the GOAT. He's the GOAT. Now, uh, on, the GOAT man. of this generation. Come on, man. What kind generation. of GOAT? What kind of GOAT is generation. he? Come I'll on, say man. This. Stop that. I'll Stop. say this. In the 80s and 90s, they wouldn't have known what to do with Kevin Durant, but I will, I will say this in terms of Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan in today's game would average 40 points a game. If James Harden gets to the line all easy. the time that he wants to, yes, easy. Michael Jordan gets to the line 
anytime he asked, like in today's game. Michael Jordan on this Bulls team, this Bulls roster, 40 points a game easily. So I, I will say that. I, I'll just say that, like, every single team that Kevin Durant has faced in the finals is better than every single team that Jordan or beat in the finals. Those Heat teams, dogs. You, you, can, you can compare it to, like, even the, some of the great top players like Shaq. The teams that Shaq three-peated off, not even comparable to the Heatles, you know, the, the, the Raptors, the uh, – who else are we talking about? They're the Bucks. Like, the, the teams that KD has lost to in the finals are actually legit all-time teams. You you and this love affair for KD, yeah. I'm telling you, man. KD what? is not he, – he's not he is, though. in the league. He's good. What, he's what good. Makes... He's a freak. He's a freak. Yeah. But – I, I, I can't give him the best player in the league. Well, let, me just, let, me, let me just jump in for the sake of time real quick. I, I do want to talk about the Bears real quick and get you all's opinion on uh, Justin Fields. So let, let me go with you first, Terrence, because I do want to bring some Bears in here. So, Terrence, uh, what are your thoughts on Justin Fields? Now I'll get yours, Thomas. I think that it's a, a new era is about to begin. I am excited. Everybody's excited about it. We finally got a quarterback. Uh, Eddie um, – what, what's the safety's name? He was so irrelevant Jackson. last season. Yeah, Eddie Jackson. He even said it on Instagram. I kind of didn't like the way he said it, but he said, mm-hmm. uh, man, we finally got us a real a real quarterback. I don't want to diss Mitch. I don't want to diss him that bad, but he's no Justin Fields. No. Even though Justin Fields is he's fresh out of Ohio State. He's a rookie. So we don't we haven't really seen him play in the NFL because it's a much faster game. But I mean, man, I, I already say it's 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 a hell of an upgrade. And everybody is so excited about it. So excited about it. It's 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 a new era, man. We gonna we we finally are going to see uh passes downfield consistently. Consistently. <laughs> And not to the opposite team. So, I mean, everybody's excited. I know Matt Nagy is excited because he finally has a quarterback that he feels can fit in his system. He wants to throw, 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 even though I don't think that's what he should do. When he has a workhorse in the backfield, David Montgomery, workhorse. So he needs more touches. you got to give him more touches. But the aerial game, the aerial game is going to be like ten times better, and I can't wait. I'll say that for Chicago's fans' sake, this is the first time that they got a quarterback that really the entire fan base is behind. Uh, you can look at their last like five quarterbacks. You're talking Trubisky, Mike Glennon, Jay Cutler, Nick Foles. Any time that they drafted or signed these players, the fan base was kind of like you know teeter tottering if they really liked the quarterback like yeah this was all like you know all right we got a free agent veteran but is he going to take us to that next level never uh Mitch Trubisky everybody even back then knew it was a reach you had the chance to get Deshaun Watson Patrick Mahomes you skipped on it even then Christian McCaffrey was available there there were so many other players that you could have got a number two instead of Mitch Trubisky and you basically got nothing for him in return so I will say that now I, I'm behind Justin Fields. I'm not a Bears fan. I'm a Cowboys fan. Uh, you guys took our <laughs> – listen, all right, hear me out, hear me out. You guys took our back, uh, our backup, Andy oh. Dalton, 
and you guys are going to start Andy Dalton. Now, when you Get look me at out talent of here. Wise, eh, <laughs> when you look at talent level wise, uh, Justin Fields is better already than Andy Dalton. He is a better uh, talent, a better quarterback talent than Andy Dalton. I don't think it would be smart to start Justin Fields right away. I definitely think Andy Dalton, you know, will start the season as I the Bears quarterback. But you are looking at a new era where he can develop under a veteran quarterback who started the entire season last year, basically for the Cowboys because Dak was hurt. And I do think that the Bears are on the cusp of building a solid future. You know, you, you need the quarterback, you need the coach. I think they got those both right. Andy Dalton. We, I just completely skipped over him. <laughs> that, that is how, that is what the fan base is thinking right now. They're just skipping right over Andy Dalton. For sure. But uh, some of us know that Andy Dalton needs to start the season. You can't yeah. throw Justin Fields to the fire right away. And then against the Rams, no. That would not be a good idea. But – Andy Dalton, he 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 needs to start. He is um, he is a consistent, solid quarterback. You know, a lot of people diss him. I'm not gonna diss him. He he's solid. He's consistent. But he did start in Dallas by default. Yeah, because Dak got hurt. But Andy Dalton is not. He he wouldn't start over Dak if he was healthy. No. Um, but you know, Andy Dalton, he's solid. You know. But I say by about game five or six, we won't see Andy Dalton. We'll see. The, yeah. We'll see a new. I would camp. like to see where the. I would like to see where the bye week is. You know, the, probably after the bye week, you can give Justin Fields maybe two weeks to prepare for a team. You might be able to start him then. Uh, I would look at you know starting him with a uh, against a quarterback who is probably also around his age. You know, rookie novice quarterback that is just getting adjusted to the NFL season, NFL schedule. But, no, he, you can't start Justin Fields week one in a upgraded 17-week NFL season. Uh, you're setting him up for uh, – Setting a, him up for failure. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. All right, well, our, our base is uh, obviously a Cub fan, so we have to – we're going to end on – I guess, you know, talking about the Cubs right now is, is a sour note. But we will use our last time. And the Cubs just lost, by the way, 3-2 to two to the Cardinals. Um so the trade deadline is coming up. Uh, let me start with uh, Thomas. Um, what about your Cubs? The reason why I'm still on the Cubs bandwagon, I promise you, is because the NL Central is still an utter mess, right? The Cardinals went all in during the offseason to be able to pick up Nolan Arenado, and they're still below 500, right? I'm not worried about Milwaukee in terms of the future. They got a good pitching staff, but their hitters still got to be able to hit throughout the season. They went hot, you know, in the middle of the summer and the Cubs went really cold. Uh, earlier, I was mentioning about the SportsMe mobile app that I'm a, I'm an ambassador for. Earlier this week, I believe, I created a battle of three potential players that would be on the move. Uh, one Number one was Chris Bryant, you know, utility player for the Cubs. Number two was Adam Frazier, first-time All-Star for the Pittsburgh Pirates. And number three was D.H. Nelson Cruz, who just got traded today from Minnesota to Tampa Bay. So I, I noted that all three of those players would probably be able to find likely de or new destinations. They would play with another team after the trade deadline. But I would say that the Cubs need to be sellers because of the fact that we're uh, our core is uh, set to become free agents. We should have been developing 
minor league pitchers since 2016, and the only one we have of note is Alzole, who hasn't won a start in his last, like, eight outings, including tonight. I'll say that I'm excited about our future. I'm, I'm a huge fan of Brennan Davis. He won the Futures MVP. He had two home runs, and he's been killing it as of late. Uh, I know that we've gotten some really good pickups. Uh, we just drafted Christian Franklin out of Arkansas. Ed Howard was our first-round pick out of Chicago last year. We definitely have a solid core of guys like that are young, and when they get up to the league, can definitely like, have the potential to be stars. I still believe we have the best infield in the National League today because Chris Bryant is still on our team. If you look at our infield, we have gold gloves all around the diamond. Nico Horner is our best prospect, and he's our second baseman. And Wilson Contreras, other than Real Muto, is the, that's the top two catcher in the league. Uh, I'll say that our issue is definitely pitching and then hitting in the outfield. Uh, we got rid of Jock Peterson, was was really our only power threat. You know, Jason Hayward's not really a power threat batting around 200 this season. Ian House batting like probably below 200 this season. We've been playing Rafael Ortega lately, but I'll say that we need to be buyers in terms of pitching and outfield depth and need to be sellers in terms of maybe one or two players of our core. We not might not be able to bring back Bryant. I can almost guarantee we won't. I'll say that we got to get rid of – not get rid of, but I'll say that we got to – trade Chris Bryant because he has the most value because he was the only position player all-star that we had this year. So he probably has the most value. We could probably get the biggest return from Bryant. Wow. Even I don't want to follow that, but Terrence, what do you got about the Cubs, Terrence? <laughs> Nothing about the Cubs. What can I say about the Cubs? I am not a Cubs fan. Mm. So I probably don't have much to say in the little bit I have to say. You probably might not want to hear. Mm. Um, I think the Cubs have been stinking it up, man. They've been stinking it up. Their their bats just aren't connecting. The pitching, the pitching has been uh, I don't want to say piss poor, but I'll go ahead and say piss poor. Um it's just not looking good, man. And then Chris Bryant, as you mentioned, Thomas, the best player on the team, they're not going to be able to keep him. So they might as well try to get whatever they can get for him. Okay. All That's right. just my thoughts. Okay. All right. I will, I, I will say that one big move this offseason that could have changed the potential of our team, think about it. During the offseason, we traded you, Darvish, and Victor Caratini to San Diego, right? Right. We traded them for minor league prospects that won't see the field for the big leagues for four to five years. What is the one thing that the Cubs need right now is an ace pitcher. You Darvish was that ace pitcher. Yeah. He was a Cy Young candidate last year. Number two, how many catchers have we used this season? About five, six, five, six different catchers. Victor Caratini was a switch hitting catcher who was getting playing time for the Padres. We set the Padres up to get over the hump by giving him, giving them our best pitcher and one of our most versatile bench players in Victor Caratini, and we got back eight teenagers. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, uh, our uh, our time is running out here, but I do want to say that. Uh, wow. You know, I got I got to get YouTube on another podcast here again because I could just sit and watch and listen to you all go back and forth. For days, but uh, uh, Terrence, for my oh, actually, let me get to what you say. Terrence, pick a number between one and eighty-two. Terrence, between one and eighty-two, pick a number. Twenty-eight. 
29. 29 is uh, Tasha Mosby. You're going to go to the Cubs game, so make sure you uh, mm. contact us. Uh, but one, one last time, Terrence, tell us how we can find your podcast or, and, and social media. Okay. Well, on YouTube, you can go to Chicago Clubhouse, C-L-U-B-H-O-U-S-E. You put that in your search search bar. On Facebook, we are Chicago Clubhouse Podcast, P-O-D-C-A-S-T. You can find us on Facebook that way. We're also on Instagram at Chicago Clubhouse Sports. And also Twitter, Shy Clubhouse 11. So there's four different ways you can find us. So please use one of those ways and find us, man. We're waiting for you. Yes, and we'll put uh, some links down in our show notes. And Thomas, tell us how, how we can find you. Thank you so much, Frank, for allowing me to be able to speak today and being able to advertise my own content. Yes, you can find me on social media, official.tbg on Instagram, TBG official on Twitter, Thomas Bella Guerrero on Facebook, and the on-air mobcast can be found on all social media platforms and all podcast platforms, especially Spotify, iHeartRadio, and Apple Podcasts. And of course, soon to be on our uh, our new uh, podcast network coming out in, in the fall. So um, hopefully I can get you all back together again, because you two are a good uh, combination for our podcast. Hopefully I can get you all to come back. Um, but I want to thank all of our listeners, and please join us on the next episode of the Mistaken Identity Podcast with David and Frank. Hey, everybody. Joe Flaherty here with the Mistaken Identity Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode. We want to thank you for your continued support. We also want to extend a heartfelt thank you to those of you who have written reviews, dropped some likes, and shared our shows as that has allowed us to grow beyond any of our expectations. As a matter of fact, we're excited to announce a new way for our loyal listeners to enhance their experience even more with our new membership feature. All you have to do is jump in the show notes and follow the link to our Patreon page where you can find access to a whole bunch of extra goodies for as little as $3 a month. You'll be given access to exclusive content, merchandise, behind-the-scenes video, early access to episodes, the ability to make special requests for guests, and much, much more. Now, if that sounds like something that interests you, head on over to Patreon and search Mistaken Identity Podcast or simply follow the link in our show notes to join the likes of Nancy Sullivan, Alice Daniels, and Kathy Chester at the rookie level, all the way on up to the Hall of Fame level with longtime listeners Kathy Weedley and Kathy Grossman. As always, we can't leave without our disclaimer. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely our own, and we do not speak for or on behalf of the Chicago Cubs or any other organization. Stay safe, and we'll catch you next time.